It is Thursday, October 27th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 8 Preview Edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Shop. With me, as always, is Jared Smolin. Jared, we got a near full slate to go through this week. Only two teams on by. I'm not sure why the NFL insists on doing that to us, because looking to next week, we got six teams out. Something to be planning for this week. We've already been through the waiver runs for most leagues, but you might want to go ahead and take a look at who's going to be missing from your lineup next week and snag some guys off the waiver wire, especially if you got free pickups in your league right now. Yeah, use our um, strength of schedule page if you're an insider. I use that a bunch just to sort of yeah look when guys are going to be in by and also see you know who has the best matchups in those weeks where I'm going to need a spot starter at, you know, especially a quarterback and tight end, the onesie positions. Can certainly use that as well to look at trade options, see who might have a really good um, schedule the rest of the way. And especially if you're in a good situation record-wise, if you're pretty sure you're going to make the playoffs, you can even look further ahead and start targeting players with good playoff schedules um, in your trades in your league. But we're here to focus on week eight. We're going to go through the entire slate. We're going to start, as usual, with the Thursday night game. It's Baltimore at Tampa Bay. The Bucks by one and a half in this one, over under 45 and a half. That's fewer points than it probably should have been if we got the kind of teams that we were assuming we would in on both sides of this matchup. But that's not what we've got right now, Jared. On the Ravens side, injuries first. We've got questionable for tonight, Gus Edwards, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews. Bateman put in a full practice Wednesday. No practice at all for Mark Andrews this week. Any concern for any of those guys missing this game? No, like you said, Bateman full practice Wednesday. I expect him to play Edwards limited all week. I'm assuming they just wanted to take it easy on him after his first game back and then on the short week here. Not not a great situation for Gus Edwards. I'll be curious to see exactly how much work he gets tonight with the short week and just the second game back. Andrews, I'm expecting him to play him, and he, he was in the same boat last week. Andrews playing time was right in line last week where it's been all season. He obviously had the goose egg, only had the, the two targets. I'm sure, the, I'm sure the knee was an issue. Baltimore also only threw it 16 times last week. They went super, super run heavy. I'm hoping that's not going to be the case going forward. Um, but, I mean, you know, especially with you know, especially with Travis Kelsey and by, like I, I can't imagine sitting Mark Andrews despite this knee thing and despite his, his zero last week. Oh, yeah. If, if Andrews is active, I'm playing him. Uh, and we'll see. I... I can't imagine that they will normally go that run heavy, regardless of how game flow goes. Certainly the Bucs look vulnerable coming off of the way that they played the Panthers last week, but things aren't normally going to go as poorly for them as they did in that particular game. They still will not have Akeem Hicks up front. They were hoping to get him back this week, but it looks like it'll at least be one more game for him. So the run defense does remain vulnerable. Like you said, short week for Gus Edwards isn't great. We He was healthy, played last week, does have the knee, though, that's probably somewhere short of completely fully healthy. And it's also worth noting that even though he came out the clear stat leader among Ravens mm-hmm. running backs last week, it's not like he dominated playing time at the position. Yeah, exactly. Um, Edwards played just 36% of Baltimore's offensive snaps. He handled just 36% of the carries, got just one target. He, you know, Edwards benefited from Baltimore going so run heavy. So I'd be careful not to overrate his week seven. I think Edwards is still like an RB three. And, you know, especially the lack of pass catching work is going to kind of make him, you know, a a lower floor weekly option than you'd probably like. Yeah. I had one user in our discord saying I'm on the fence on whether to play Gus Edwards or these other guys at wide receiver, my flex spot for PPR. Mm -hmm. And it was five receivers that we have all ahead of 
Gus Edwards in the flex rankings this week. So don't overrate um, last week from Gus Edwards, but he's certainly usable. Kenyon Drake is also usable at a certain level because of how close their playing time was last week. I would hope you don't have to, but you know, usable for no doubt some teams that do need to. Uh, the matchup also gets better for the Baltimore passing game in this one because the Bucks do not have cornerback Carlton Davis. They will not have defensive back Antoine Winfield. Winfield's been typically a safety over his first few seasons. This year, he's actually played a lot more slot corner than he has safety. So that's a, a, a significant adjustment for the matchup for this one. Two of their top covered guys out specifically probably the Ravens most likely to benefit from those absences are Devin DuVernay who has run most often from the side of the field that Carlton Davis has run most often so far this year and Mark Andrews and anybody else in the slot because like I said Winfield has been primarily a slot corner so the matchup nicer in the middle of the field let's hope that that helps Lamar Jackson get going yeah Lamar's really struggled what four four weeks in a row now passing guys you know the rushing has kind of kept him okay for fantasy but this is a decent spot for him with all those bucks um, injuries in the secondary. I would struggle to use Duvernay in a season-long league, assuming Rashad Bateman plays. You know, Bateman last week, again, Baltimore only threw it 16 times, but Bateman got five of the 16 targets, you know, 31% target share. So that was encouraging. I think Bateman, um, you know, remains in the in the wide receiver three mix, assuming he, he plays tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Duvernay more somebody to keep in mind for, like, showdown purposes tonight. Yes. Yep. Uh, on the other side, the Bucks have ruled out Russell Gage. Julio Jones is a game time decision. So it should be a high ceiling week for Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. It's also worth remembering, though, that the Ravens sit eighth and pass defense DVOA. So it's not a gimme matchup, basically neutral for wide receiver scoring so far. If you look at our adjusted fantasy points allowed page. Yeah, I mean, you're playing Gobbin and Evans. They're, they're strong target bets. I think um, Russell Gage being out helps Kate Otten, too, who I think remains a decent spot start option this week. We know Cam Braid's already out of this game. Otten's uh, route rate was down to 73% last week after being 90-plus percent in the first game Cam Braid missed. But, um, you know, he, he still saw, uh, what, five targets last week, caught four for 64. Baltimore's been pretty rough against tight ends so far this season. So, again, I think, I think Otten's a decent option if you don't have, you know, one of the top five or six tight ends. I agree. I picked him up in one league this week to fill to uh, cover Travis Kelsey's by Tom Brady. So the matchup's okay for him, kind of similar to Lamar Jackson. I mentioned that the Ravens have been solid against the pass. And even with that huge Tua Tungavailoa game back in week two, the Ravens sit just 15th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So it's not a gimme matchup. Tom Brady is fine. And I wouldn't move him up from where we have him in the rankings currently. There is going to be one guy that we talk about later that I would like to move down our rankings. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if we end up getting a good Tom Brady passing game tonight. But I'm not going to go in betting on 350 and three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, we have him quarterback 10 in our rankings. That that feels too high, if anything. He's been quarterback 18 or worse in five of the seven games this season. And that was a ugly game against Carolina. Now, I mean, Mike Evans drops a 65-yard touchdown on, like, the second play of the game. That game probably goes definitely if he catches that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not – you don't got to bench Tom Brady, but um, you know, I'm not super confident about his, you know, status, you know, his fantasy value, both for this game and for the rest of the season. I mean, I, I, have, I have concerns about this offense. Yeah, and it also is worth noting that he – I think he's only had one game where he threw more than one touchdown pass. So, yes. if that yeah, were – touchdown rate. Yeah. If out. he threw yeah. two in a couple more games, he would be higher than that QB 18 level. But certainly it's been overall disappointing, uh, especially relative to last year. Um, so a decent spot. Don't go crazy um, with your expectations. 
Yeah, I, it would probably be a good game for the Bucks offense if they want to. I'm not even sure that they desire, but to get the running game going in this one. Yeah, Baltimore's 23rd in Football Outsiders run defense DVOA. You know they're they're much weaker against the the run than the pass. Um, I'm I'm kind of giving Leonard Fournette a mulligan for last week, like you know getting blown out by the Panthers. Just a bad game for the offense in general. Fournette is still top ten among running backs in both expected fantasy points and actual fantasy points over the last four weeks now. Um, you know he he still remains ahead of Rashad White. Although this the snap counts did get a bit closer last week. I think that was at least partly due to you know that game being over uh, in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Denver against Jacksonville in London on Sunday morning. The Jags by two and a half on their second home field over under 39 and a half for this game. Russell Wilson is the top story because he wants himself to be, he's deemed himself a ready to roll. He's been limited in practice so far, but definitely not limited on that plane ride over to London. I'm not using him in fantasy. I'm not sure his return really means anything for anybody else on the offense. It might be bad news for Jerry Judy. I mean, Judy had his most efficient game of the season pretty easily with Brett Rippon under center, center last week. And, you know, seemed to be Rippon's first look on a lot of those plays. So, you know, when, when I, I, we originally had Brett Rippon in there, when we got the news that it's likely going to be Russell Wilson, I, I, you know, I moved Judy down our rankings a bit, Cortland Sutton up our rankings a bit. You know, Sutton's just been more efficient with Russell Wilson this season. So I think that's the only fantasy impact. I, I think both those wide receivers, though, are just wide receiver threes um, in a pretty tough matchup and with Wilson struggling and dealing with the hamstring. Yeah, that matchup has dipped from what it looked like earlier in the season. Jacksonville is just kind of in the middle of the league now at everything on defense and on the wrong side of the middle um, in DVOA overall. Uh, I think that more scary than playing anything against the Jacksonville pass defense is playing anything from this Denver offensive backfield. Yeah. I mean, we have no Mike Boone this week, which helps. I mean, it's going to, you know, they, they signed Marlon Mack off the Niners practice squad. I'm, I'm sure he's going to be active. So I think it turns into a two man committee versus a three man committee. Um, I think, you know, Melvin Gordon led in snaps and, and, and touches last week. I think he's the better play, but um, you know, no, no more than a, running back three because I do think it's going to be close to a 50-50 split between Gordon and Octavius Murray. Mm-hmm. And the Jacksonville offense, this matchup mutes the upside of anybody that yeah. you might want to play. Denver's third toughest on QB scoring by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. And you can find all of those numbers for every team on draftsharks.com. Toughest on wide receiver scoring in the league, fifth toughest on running backs, ninth toughest on, on tight ends. So, you know, there's not a spot that this is a good matchup for uh, in terms of the Jacksonville offense. Yeah, I would try not to use Trevor Lawrence. He's, you know, come through for you if you used him the past two weeks, but he has three rushing scores over the last two weeks. So it's been kind of fluky. And like you said, a really tough matchup here. Um, Denver, to me, is potentially the best pass defense in the NFL. So we try not to use Lawrence. I do think Christian Kirk is fine to stick with. Um, he has played just 32% of his snaps on the outside the season. So he's going to avoid Passer Tan, who, you know, has emerged as, you know, one of the best corners in the NFL. So I think Kirk, like he's been most of the season, should be the focal point of this Jags passing offense on Sunday morning. You know, he, he should be in for enough volume to have a nice fantasy day. Mm-hmm. I'd still have him somewhere around wide receiver 25, though, as opposed to looking for a truly big week. That's fair. I think he's a bit higher than that in our PPR rankings. Um, and then, you know, like I said, it's not a great spot for anybody else. Travis Etienne is going to lead the backfield. He's going to be starting for you going forward. And Jamichael Hasty is the new number two. Doug Peterson says he'll get more carries now that James Robinson's gone. Certainly wouldn't want to be in position to use him, but James uh, Jamichael Hasty is at least stashable at this point as the handcuff to Travis Etienne, if nothing else. 
Yeah, I'd be curious to see exactly how much more work ETN gets with Robinson out of the way now. Like if the Jags are really going to make him a workhorse, if they're going to kind of keep him in that 15 to 20 touch range. You know, I think worst case, he's like a high-end RB2 the rest of the way, and he has the potential to be an RB1. Um, you know, as far, as far as the handcuff goes, like I know Peterson talked about Michael Hasty. I do think Snoop Connor that might be worth stashing in deeper leagues too. Um, you know, Hasty's an undersized change of pace guy. I'm not – exactly sure what the backfield would look like if ETN goes down. It probably wouldn't be a great fantasy situation, but I do think Connor, um, you know, is, is a better replacement for James Robinson. If the Jags are looking for that. Mm -hmm. I certainly wouldn't go out of my way for either guy um, as a handcuff in this offense, but yeah, yeah. Yep. Arizona at Minnesota to start the Sunday, one o'clock Eastern time slate Vikings by two and a half in this one down one point from previous, which I'm not sure if that's fair Uh, over under 49 points in this one Cardinals just 13th though, in implied team total on the week right now behind the Falcons, Bucks, Seahawks and Lions among others. Jared, what do you think of them this week? I thought like eye test wise, they looked better with Hopkins back last week. Like the offensive production wasn't big because Andy Dalton threw the two pick sixes and that game was kind of over by halftime. But I I did think um, Kyler had one of his better games of the season passing. He actually got his second best PFF passing grade last week. It was sixth among quarterbacks league wide. Um, And this Minnesota pass defense is beatable. They're 21st in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. Um, They haven't given up a ton of fantasy production to quarterbacks because they've allowed just six passing touchdowns but they've allowed 8.4 yards per attempt. Um, so I think, you know, I'm still not super excited about Kyler. I don't think he has like the massive ceiling, but I do think he's a, you know, solid quarterback one in this matchup and with the rushing ability. Yeah. He came out what fifth in our rankings. And every time I see that this season, I'm like, Oh, Kyler's got to go down. Then I look behind him and it's like, oh, I guess he doesn't have to this week because exactly. uh, there's not, it's not a great week for QBs. Um, he's number two among quarterbacks in underdog main slate ADP for the week right now, right behind Jalen hurts and main slate is worth noting, of course, because Josh Allen, Joe Burrow are not on that main slate. And that matches where we have Kyler Murray in our rankings right now. He certainly could have that kind of week. It also wouldn't surprise me if Kyler is outscored by guys like Kirk cousins to a Geno Smith this week. So those guys are all kind of jumbled together. And, you know, my honest answer to anyone who then, asks the question of should I play Kyler Murray or Kirk Cousins this week? It's like it it could really go either way between them. I'm personally probably going to play Kirk Cousins because I think he's a safer bet and doesn't give away ceiling versus Kyler Murray. But uh, Kyler Murray could run for 100 yards in this one and have one touchdown and easily outscore Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it's close. I like both sides of this game. Um, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, definitely a game that we'll talk about on tomorrow's DFS shows. DeAndre Hopkins a must use after the high usage of his return last week. And you know, fingers crossed that we get some combo of Robbie Anderson or AJ Green running opposite DeAndre Hopkins so that we can get Rondale Moore back in the slot. And that's why even when the offense looks better, I'm still I still want to bet against it because running Rondale Moore all game on the outside is just stupid. Yeah, but at the same time, playing AJ Green is stupid too. So like there, there's not a great option there. There wasn't a great option for them last week with Robbie Anderson, not ready to go. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see that. That's what we want for Rondo Moore. I mean, I would like to see it first before trusting him in fantasy lineup again. Um, you know, 84% of his snaps out wide last week caught just one pass. You know, his two quality fantasy games have come when he's been primarily in the slot and he's had two bad fantasy games when he's been primarily on the outside. So it's, it's kind of simple what we need. Uh, but I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure Robbie Anderson's going to be ready for for full workload yet. So, so again, I, I try to play play wait and see game with uh, Rondell this week. 
That's the thing. If it, I can, I can get not running AJ Green out there, but if you are going to run Rondale Moore out there and you only target him twice while you're targeting DeAndre Hopkins twelve times in his first game back, and it's not like you're peppering Greg Dortch with targets inside. It's just like you're saying, I don't need Rondale Moore to be involved in this game. And I, you know, if that's the thought, then I guess the message is Rondale Moore is not as good as anybody wants him to be. So. I don't know. We'll see where this goes. I continue to distrust Cliff Kingsbury. I think he is hurting everybody's fantasy value there, but at least there's talent. At least the matchup is positive this week. Backfield, we'll see who's the lead back. James Conner limited in practice Wednesday, so that's an upgrade versus the past two weeks. No practice at all last week before he sat out that Thursday night game. No practice the week before, before he missed that game. Before that, 18 opportunities in each of his previous two contests, each of the previous two that he did not leave early with injury, of course. The Vikings are weak versus both the pass and the run, and the Cardinals would prefer to run, it looks like. If you look at our pass rate uh, uh, pass rate versus expected article, it's a free read on DraftSharks.com, comes to us from Timmy Hernandez. Um, if you look at that, the Cardinals – pass under expected for the season and over the past four weeks it's even been further under their full season number yeah um and i don't know what the backfoot's going to look like it looks like darrell williams has a chance to return this week too um my guess is connor steps back in as the lead guy but that you know benjamin might have earned himself a bigger role which would you know make this a tough situation to rely on for fantasy so ideally you can avoid everyone in this backfield but um if you're you know picking i do think connor's your best bet assuming he plays yeah and we'll obviously watch for indications as we head into the weekend on the viking side i'm watching what will happen with the running back routes coming out of the bye both dalvin cook and alexander madison should be healthier they were both dealing with shoulder injuries previously neither of them listed on wednesday's injury report we saw madison's route rate dip Uh, significantly the last time out he had taken some of those from dalvin cook following cook's shoulder injury of course madison was the one with the shoulder issue last time but dalvin cook still stayed short of 50 percent in that category yeah madison played just 13 percent of the vikings offensive snaps last time out so i i definitely and he was up around like 40 percent the game before that so i think the shoulder um was the main reason for that so i do expect this to be you know a closer split coming out of the bye week. Um, And the the routes are interesting this week, especially because Arizona is dead last in football outsiders running back coverage rankings. They're actually pretty solid against the run. So it's not a great rushing matchup for these guys, but you know, they're, they're susceptible to the running backs in the passing game. Um, It's, it's a good matchup for Minnesota's passing game in general, Arizona 27th in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. And they're second in pass rate over expected against, you know, teams are throwing against Arizona, the Vikings sixth in pass rate over expected four. So they've already been a pass leaning offense. So I expect this to be a, you know, pretty pass happy game plan from the Vikings. Yeah. And it's nice to not have Mike Zimmer involved in this. So we're not going to get a a Vikings offense that just is determined to run no matter what the matchup says. We could very well get 40 plus Kirk Cousins uh, pass attempts in this one, even if the Vikings control the game. For sure. And I think that makes Adam Thielen a pretty, you know, attractive wide receiver three this week. Uh, He's seen seven plus targets in five straight games now. Um, And then I do think Irv Smith is in play as well with, you know, hopefully elevated passing volume from Minnesota and the Cardinals are 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Yeah. I would have Irv Smith over guys like Hunter Henry, um, Juwan Johnson, and probably over Greg Dulcich and Kate Otten as well. Yes. We have him ranked ahead of all those guys. I think, you know, he's probably your best streaming option, you know, in shallower leagues, he might be available. I think Irv Smith is probably your best bet this week. Yeah, I think my I think Irv Smith and Mike Gusecki are pretty close based on what we've ah. seen from them in the past couple of weeks. 
It's, I mean, it's it's the same kind of situation, really. It's neither is a guy that we can count on being out there for every pass route. And they're both athletic enough in potentially high scoring enough offenses to deliver. Yeah, I'm with you on Gusecki. We'll get to him next year. I'm just surprised to hear you say something nice about him. Hey, I gotta be open. All I'm saying is he could be on the field at seven targets in two straight games, too. You're gonna get to that. Actually, that game's next. So let's go ahead and transition into that one. Miami at Detroit. Dolphins by three and a half, over under 51 and a half. So it should be plenty of points in this one. The Dolphins, second highest team total for the week, just one and a half behind Buffalo as of right now. So, I mean, you're playing everyone here, and that does include Mike Gusecki. And as I said, seven targets in two straight games. They won last week. His snap share stayed up against Pittsburgh. So I think he's a good option this week. Right. The increase in targets has, you know, coincided with an increase in pass routes for Gusecki, which makes it easier to trust. He's ran a route on 71% of pass plays over the past three weeks. That was at 52% over the first four games. So I'm not exactly sure why it's happened, um, but you know his, his role in the passing game has climbed over the past three weeks. And the Lions are 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends and 31st in football outsiders tight end coverage ranking. So it's a good matchup, good game environment. Um, you know, he, he could, he could bone you. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, he kind of disappears all of a sudden, but everything on paper sets up for a pretty nice Kaseki game here. It coincided with a dip in playing time for Cedric Wilson. So maybe it's a matter of not getting what they thought they were getting from Cedric Wilson, who I guess has been dealing with an injury. Although I don't know if it it cost him like one game so far, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Trent Sherfield's kind of emerges their third wide out. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, again, and I guess he should be the third option in this passing game. Like there's no reason he shouldn't be. Yeah, maybe Mike McDaniel just caught up on tape. He didn't have time to get to all of it before the season. He was like, oh, he's a tight end. We'll have him block. And then he's like, oh, wait a second. He's not a tight end. He's just a tall, you know, semi-thick receiver. Let's actually throw him passes. Checks out. That makes sense. Jalen Waddle limited Wednesday with a shoulder issue. Doesn't seem like anything we need to worry about. It's just because Jalen Waddle weighs 150 pounds. He's going to be limited a lot. Yeah, I mean, you're starting both the wideouts. I think I think Raheem Moster is a strong fantasy play here, too. Good matchup, obviously. Um, Moster's played 62-plus percent of Miami's offensive snaps in four straight games now. He's averaging 15.8 carries and 3.3 targets per game over that stretch. The Lions are dead last in adjusted points allowed to running backs. And in addition to a good matchup this week, he and the Dolphins have the best rushing schedule the rest of the way if you look at our um, strength of schedule page. So... I would be trying to get Raheem Mostert this week if you're looking for some running back help. It's also probably a reason to stash Chase Edmonds if you have a spot to play with and you're looking for kind of the, you know, upside handcuff stash. Chase Edmonds is not usable in lineups right now, but if Raheem Mostert goes down, he's the number one running back for the Dolphins. And Raheem Mostert tends to go down. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, Edmonds Edmonds is a nice stash. On the other side of this one, the Lions, of course, have some injuries to sort through. TJ Hawkinson, no practice Wednesday because of a knee issue. That's how TJ Hawkinson is going to spend most of his Wednesdays. Amon Ross St. Brown, limited Wednesday. Dan Campbell said he did not actually suffer a concussion in that game that he left early last week, so he should be cleared to play. We'll see exactly um, what develops on that front. Josh Reynolds, no practice Wednesday. His absence could be good for Khalif Raymond. Uh, And then Jamison Williams out at least another month. So don't bother with him on most redraft rosters. And finally, let's, let's end the injury stuff on some good news. Deandre Swift full practice Wednesday. So he might actually play football again this week. Yes. It looks like Swift will be back. So he should be back in fantasy lineups. We'll see exactly how big a workload he gets coming off those injuries, but you know, he's, he's a starter for you. 
Um, yeah, the, the St. Brown thing, this is, this is going to be a thing going forward. And there's nothing you, you can really do about it, but we're going to lose a lot more players to this new protocol going forward. But like you said, uh, Dan Campbell said St. Brown did not actually was not actually diagnosed with a concussion. So he you know should be trending towards being available for this game. Then I expect Hawkinson to play too. He's um, been held out of Wednesday practices a few times this season and then, you know, seems to be good to go come Sunday. And I mean, it's going to piss people off when guys leave games for concussions and don't actually end up being diagnosed with a concussion, but you're going to have to get over it because it's a whole lot better for them as people to pull them and not have it be a concussion than to leave them in the game and then have them leave the next one on a stretcher. So uh, don't, don't complain out loud about it. Just kind of suck it up. Um, If we get DeAndre Swift back for this game, it's going to be tough to play Jamal Williams, obviously still somewhat in play for those who are reaching down for a running back option, but this isn't a great matchup for the Russian. Yeah. He'd be a TD dependent fantasy play. And like you said, Miami's been good against the run this season. This is an interesting matchup because you have a Lions team that, you know, wants to be a run first offense, but Miami has been much weaker against the pass than the run this season. And teams have been going pass heavy against Miami. So I'll be curious to see exactly what Detroit's game plan looks like. You know, if Miami jumps ahead, it's probably not going to matter anyways, which I definitely think is possible. So I think it's a good spot for, the Lions passing game, Hawkinson, especially uh, Miami's been really bad against tight end. So as long as that injury is not a factor, I think Hawkinson's a strong season long play and a strong DFS play this week. Yeah. We had somebody ask on YouTube toward the beginning of this show, if they should go ahead and play Bateman in the flex um, with TJ Hawkinson as one of the other options for me, Jared, I'm waiting to see if Hawkinson practices today. I haven't seen that report. If he seems like he's going to be good to go, I think that I would go ahead and wait for Hawkinson because I think there's probably a higher ceiling on him this week than Bateman. What do you think between those two? Yeah, we have Hawkinson projected for more fantasy points straight up. So it always feels a bit strange to play a tight end in the flex, but I think in that particular case, it makes sense. Uh, And I do like Jared Goff this week, like as much as it's possible to like Jared Goff. If you're looking for a quarterback, I would play Jared Goff ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, again, it's a good spot if the Lions fall behind and are forced to throw it a bit more than they probably want to. And, you know, Goff has not had his weapons now for a while, right? Swift's been out. St. Brown has not played a full game since week three, I want to say. So, I mean, and and golf was great early on fantasy wise. I do think there's some bounce back potential for him this week. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything else from that game? Nope. Chicago at Dallas Cowboys by nine and a half over under 42 and a half. Justin Fields was better on Monday night, but I think more importantly, the scheme looked much better. That included seven designed runs for Justin Fields. He had four total of those over the previous four games. So it's not yet time to call Justin Fields a fantasy starter, especially in this week's matchup against Dallas, but definitely a very encouraging game all around. Yeah, that's uh, three straight top 12 fantasy finishes for Justin Fields. Now, I would not trust him in this matchup. I hate this matchup for him. That Bears O-line against this Cowboys pass rush is going to be a serious problem. I mean, we'll see what Fields can do rushing, but I don't think he's going to get a whole lot done passing this week. That said, I, I have Lamar Jackson on quite a few season-long teams. Um Jackson has a week 10 bye. Fields gets the Lions in week 10. So I went ahead and added Justin Fields to a lot of my Lamar Jackson teams and we'll, and we'll just, you know, stash him for the next couple of weeks and use him for that week 10 bye for Jackson. I have Justin Fields stashed on a Lamar Jackson team as well. So I like that. Um, Byron Pringle did get designated to return from IR. So we'll see what that does to the pass catching crew. I still don't think there's anybody you want to start from that group. So it doesn't matter a whole lot, but it doesn't hurt the quarterback to get somebody else back in that area. 
Khalil Herbert's usage was way up against New England with David Montgomery down a, a bit in that game. Yeah, the snaps were 56% for Montgomery to 41% for Herbert. That was a, a season low for Montgomery in his healthy games, a season high for Justin Herbert. Herbert even started the, the second half of that game, which is something we, we haven't seen before. And um, Matt Eberflus came out and said earlier this week that you know they're going to continue with a committee. He didn't say exactly you know, what the split's going to look like, but I would think it's going to look similar to what we saw last week and that that's tough for fantasy like you know in this lower scoring offense it's a run heavy offense so there's decent amount of carries to go around but if they're splitting like i think it leaves both guys as rb3s at best mm-hmm. yeah i agree with that especially given the offense you know we, we got a good one monday night but we haven't gotten much from them so far yeah. so it hasn't been an offense that you want to bet on on the dallas side i don't be surprised if they continue to lean run uh, this soon after Dak Prescott's return from the thumb injury, not only is it good for, you know, the possibility of Dak's thumb getting healthier and, and stronger and whatever, it's also good for the offense. If Dak Prescott is anywhere short of usual Dak Prescott, and he still was short of usual Dak Prescott last week. Yeah. Last week, Dallas finished at 0% pass rate over expected, meaning they passed at exactly the rate we'd expect them to based on, you know, the, the game script and situations they faced. Um, now, as we've said all year, Chicago dead last in pass rate over expected against teams go run heavy against Dal- against Chicago. I would expect that to be the case for the Cowboys this week as big home favorites. And that could make Tony Pollard like a top five fantasy play this week. If Zeke Elliott sits with this knee injury. We got some breaking news during the show here, Jared, because Kadarius Tony has been traded to the Chiefs for third <laughs> and sixth round draft picks. Kadarius oh Tony, not sure if his hamstrings were included wow. in this deal, but Kadarius Tony is going wow. to be a Chief going forward. <laughs> I mean, that's that's best case scenario, right? I mean, as you said, the Chiefs wideouts have been disappointing. Yeah, we'll see if he can get healthy. Um, that, that's super exciting. Glad I've kept Tony stashed on all these rosters. <laughs> I, I think it's also a good time for potentially trading Kadarius Tony to people who get excited about anybody who gets added to the Chiefs, even though he's probably not going to pass uh, Juju or sure. MVS this year, and we'll mm-hmm. see about him versus Sky Moore. Yeah, I think he could. I mean, I, I don't know. It's you know Tony's best in the slot. They'll you know I don't I don't know how it will work exactly. I think um, I think he could be the second most productive receiver on that team the rest of the way, you know, if, if his hamstrings allow it, um, I wouldn't be selling him in dynasty. I could see the case for selling him in, in redraft just you know, with the hamstring stuff, um, having to learn a brand new offense now, but um, I'm excited. That's, that's I fun. think the short history makes a sell case for him anywhere, but I wouldn't just unload him for the sake of unloading him. I'd be just, it would be a price check thing where if I think somebody is, is more excited than they should be, given the floor that still exists, then then it's time to sell. And otherwise I'm happy to hold. But yeah, I think as far as him going somewhere, maybe Green Bay would be better than Kansas City, but it's tough to think of yeah. better situations to go into. Third and a sixth round pick isn't nothing either. I mean, I know he was a first rounder just a year ago, but it's not it's not like the you know Chiefs got him for nothing. Yeah, it was a compensatory pick in the third round that they sent in that trade. So I'm sure that made it a little bit easier to give it up, but you, yeah. you know, you're right. There's no, it's, it's not nothing to give up a third round pick. Um, six rounder is kind of nothing, but anyway, 
back to the Dallas side of this one. We'll have more time to dig into that stuff. You hit on the backfield. Obviously, Tony Pollard, huge if Zeke Elliott misses this game. He has missed two practices this week with that knee. And Tony Pollard playable even if Zeke Elliott's um, active for that game. Dalton Schultz also tweaked that knee again last game. Re-entered the game, though. Limited practice Wednesday. So it doesn't seem like it'll affect his status for this game. Yeah, ended up running around just 55% of pass plays last week. Um, you know, he's he's just not healthy. And again, I don't expect big passing volume from Dallas in this game. So I think you can do better than um, Dalton Schultz speaking. I'd, I'd use like Irv Smith over Dalton Schultz. I'd use Mike Gusecki over Dalton Schultz this week. Those are close. I mean, I, I, I think they're in coin flip territory, really. Um, anything right. else from that game? Nope. Las Vegas at New Orleans Raiders by one and a half over under 49 and a half on the Vegas side. We had limited Wednesday practices for Mac Hollins, for Darren Waller, for Hunter Renfro, for Derek Carr, for Josh Jacobs. I say we don't worry about Jacobs. We don't worry too much about Carr unless you've heard otherwise. Um, Renfro played through it last week. Mac Hollins played through it last week. The limited practice for Darren Waller is a positive because he was out last week with that hamstring injury. Yeah. So it looks like Waller has a chance to, be back and you're probably starting him if you have him um you know he's been disappointing this season the saints are really tough against tight ends too they're second in adjusted fantasy points allowed and football outsiders has them first in tight end coverage so all would not be like an elite fantasy play if he's back but again he'd, he'd, he'd land inside the top eight in our rankings this week we'll, we'll see what he does over these next couple of days of practice Devonte adams also no practice wednesday because of an illness you know like we always say the illnesses tend to clear up by the weekend but we'll watch yeah. to make sure that he's going to play also safety jonathan abrams if you're an idp player out wednesday with an illness so we'll watch him as well the healthy pass catchers will be very usable in this matchup a, a full mm-hmm. power new orleans defense is solid might be one that you adjust matchups for but they're still well short of full power and especially marshawn Lattimore. No practice Wednesday still. Missed the past two games with an abdominal injury. No lock to be back for this one. They did get Paulson Adebo back to practice on Wednesday on a limited basis, so we'll see about him. But they lost fill-in Bradley Roby to IR. P.J. Williams, another fill-in guy, has been on IR already. So this is a defense that's dealing with a lot of injuries among those cover guys, making this a better spot for the Raiders passing game. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great spot for Devontae Adams. Renfro, I'd rather not use Renfro. I mean, like you said, he's dealing with the injury. His route rates have been in like the low 70s, you know, 73 and 72% in his two games back from injury. Um, you know, he's not he's not playing in three wide receiver sets, which is hurting him a bit. And you know, the Raiders, with Josh Jacobs playing like a Hall of Famer, they, they've gone run heavy over the past three weeks. They're minus 5% in pass rate over expectation. Um, and the Saints haven't been great against the run this season either. So I think, I think the Raiders probably will continue to lean on Jacobs in the run game here. And you meant Renfro's not playing in two wide receiver sets, right? Where he's Correct. leaving the field in favor of Matt Collins. Correct. Yep. Uh, Andy Dalton will start again on the other side, despite Jameis Winston putting in a full practice Wednesday. Have you seen any more about why that is, why they've already named Dalton? Yeah. Uh, Dennis Allen said yesterday that, you know, Dalton's the guy going forward. He said it's, you know, performance-based, that Winston's healthy enough to play. They're going with Andy Dalton. I don't know if Dennis Allen watched that uh, Thursday night loss to Arizona because Dalton was not that good. I know the fantasy numbers were there. But um, we'll see. I I would still expect Winston to get back in there at some point this season. Um, But it's Dalton for now. I think that's good news, especially for Alvin Kamara. We talked about the Saints have gone super run-heavy with Dalton under center 
the past few weeks, uh, Kamara seeing a ton of targets from Andy Dalton. So it's good news for him. Um, and, you know, Chris Olave has been great too, just because he's getting so many targets, such a big percent of the target share. Um, you know, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry still sideline on Wednesday. looks like they're going to miss another game. It's amazing news, most importantly, for my Superflex entries on Underdog from this summer because he was – I had him like 50% in that Superflex puppy. So, yeah, we'll we'll see where that goes. And to be fair to Dalton in that game, the two pick sixes on consecutive drives stand out. First one went through Marquez Callaway's hands uh, and to to a guy on the other team. But the other interception that Dalton threw in that game was just a bad decision into the end zone. So, I agree. If you watch that whole game, if you're saying that it's performance-based, you have to say – yeah, Andy wasn't great last week, but overall he's been pretty good for us. Yeah, and he's you know maybe been better than Jameis Winston has been. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I mean, it's a good matchup here for the passing game. The Raiders are thirtieth um, in Football Outsiders' pass defense DVOA. They're actually thirty first in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. So I think you can do better than Dalton in you know your one quarterback leagues, but he's a nice uh, QB two play this week. And he is going to be in play for those. If you're in one of those leagues where your league mates love scooping quarterbacks and not leaving anybody <laughs> available, he's 16th in our ranking. So certainly in play, he's ahead of Russell Wilson, ahead of Matthew Stafford, among other guys. I wouldn't be surprised if Dalton outscores guys like Jimmy G, Trevor Lawrence, even Dak Prescott this week. We'll see exactly who he's going to be throwing passes to besides Alvin Kamara, though, because yeah. Adam Troutman didn't practice. Jarvis Landry didn't practice. Michael Thomas didn't practice Wednesday. Um, so we'll see who's available among those guys. Obviously, Chris Olave is going to be out there prominently. Yeah, Chris Olave, 30% of the Saints targets over his last four full games. So he's locked in. Again, Alvin Kamara has seen 7.8 targets per game over his last four. And I do think Juwan Johnson is in play as a tight end streamer this week. Saw just five targets last week for a 10% target share. He had a, he had a 79% route rate, so that's a mark that we like. Um, then you have Vegas, who's 22nd in adjusted points, a lot of the tight end. So good matchup for Jamon Johnson. Again, I, I'd rather play like an Irv Smith or a Mike Kosecki, but you know Johnson's kind of the next guy up as a spot starter this week. Yeah, I agree. Carolina at Atlanta, Falcons by four and a half. It's opened at Falcons by six and a half. So it's down two, I guess, after Carolina finally showed that they're alive. Over under 41 and a half. It's the first time this year that Atlanta has been favored. Not shocking. P.J. Walker, D.J. Moore, run game, all fared surprisingly well against the Bucs last week, but just make sure you don't get carried away with any of them this time around. Good matchups for all against the Falcons, but they are still limited entities. P.J. Walker led all quarterbacks in PFF passing grade last week. <laughs> I watched most of that game. He played He played well. I don't know if he was the best quarterback in the NFL, but that's what the PFF grades say. Yeah, I mean, you're not starting P.J. Walker, but like you said, it is a great matchup. Atlanta's dead last in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. And they're down their top two cornerbacks for this game, AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward. So that that makes DJ Moore um, at least a comfortable wide receiver three. And I would not be surprised if he finishes the week as like a you know top twenty five wide receiver. Um, I'm going to be watching the PJ Walker line for underdog pickums this week. I posted my weekly uh, top plays for underdog pickums, which by the way have fared pretty well on the season, ninety two and fifty six, based on the Draft Sharks projections every week. Um, Walker's number almost immediately came up like by from when I grabbed the numbers in the morning to when I posted it around noon, his yardage line was already up seven yards. It looks like it's down one yard as of right now. So 181 and a half. If you like what PJ Walker did last week and you want to kind of bet on him, but not trust your team to him, play him in an underdog pick him. It's a good spot to do it because all you need him to do is reach 190 yards against the Falcons and you're sitting pretty. 
Yeah, you might need DJ Moore to get like 100 of those yards because I'm not sure who else he's going to throw to. But I, I, I like the over there. Yeah, we joked about DJ Moore's um, target share last week, and it was even higher than the 40% that I was joking. It was like 45% in the first game. Yeah, 45%. And um, Jacob Gibbs of CBS, who's a great Twitter follow, um, he had some awesome numbers of, you know, D- of DJ Moore just being better with P.J. Walker than he's been with Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield, both in terms of volume and in terms of efficiency. So, you know, it's not saying a whole lot when you're comparing you know, someone to Darnold and Mayfield. But, um, you know, Walker has been better for Moore's fantasy production than those other two guys. Mm-hmm. Chuba Hubbard, no practice Wednesday because of that ankle that apparently he could have come back in and played on in that game or so the team said. So we'll watch and see how that goes. I would have liked to see him at least be limited Wednesday to yeah. trust that that ankle is okay. Yeah, me too. Um, and, you know, Hub- Hubbard was leading that backfield before he went down. Um, he had played 55% of the snaps. He had nine carries and three targets for Estante Foreman, six carries and two targets. Um, so H- Hubbard looks like the guy we'd rather play when he's healthy. But, yeah, we'll see about the ankle. Then if Hubbard's out, like, you know, Foreman's going to get most of the work, and, you know, that would make him a decent fantasy player. Though I still think, like, what we got from the Panthers offense last week might be, like, the best game we get from them for the rest of the season. So I'm not going to go overrating this offense based on that last week. Yeah, I would bet that we got the best offensive game from the Panthers that we will get all season. Doesn't mean that they won't put up numbers. You know, just don't think, oh, well, they solved their issues. Now they're going to help us the rest of the way. So right. they're playable, but not uh, d- d- don't go overboard. On the Falcon side, I mean, they're, they have guys that can play, but their offensive approach is keeping everyone from actually reaching their full fantasy potential. You know, say what you want about it making sense for Arthur Smith's situation, but they attempted 13 passes last week in a game that they lost by 18. And the Bengals had scored their last touchdown of the game with 520 left in the third quarter. So at that point, you should just be throwing a lot, at least, if not all the time, to try to catch up. And that's not what they're doing. So if they're doing that, plus spreading the backfield opportunities around, it just makes everybody a, yeah, you can use them at some level, but nobody a target play. Yeah, like we knew that Atlanta wanted to run it as much as possible when like game script was going okay for them. But to see them continue to go super run heavy down 21 zip, like there's no situation going forward where we can expect them to throw enough to support Drake London or Kyle Pitts. London, I think you you just have to bench at this point. Um, You know, he is 80th among wide receivers in half PPR points over the last five weeks. Like he's just not getting enough volume. Um, Kyle Pitts is 20th among tight ends in half PPR points over the last five weeks. He's at least 13th in expected half PPR points. So like he's getting enough work to be a borderline fantasy option. He, he actually got unlucky last week. He caught a ball like the one inch line, didn't quite get it over the goal line. He even might've got it over the goal line, but they couldn't overturn it on review. So, you know, Pitts is borderline, but you know, even his usage is, you know, not even quite at tight end one level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I'm out on both of them for, like being trustworthy fantasy entities this year. We'll see if Desmond Ritter makes it in, if that changes anything. But, you know, if this is what they want to do with the offense and how they think they can stay competitive, then fine for the Falcons. Definitely not fine for fantasy outlooks. I want to leave the Falcons at saying that Cordero Patterson is eligible to return after this game for a week nine meeting with the Chargers. So he's somebody that's worth trying to get this week, I think. Definitely. Yeah. I think when he's healthy, he's going to step back in as the lead runner in this, you know, super run heavy offense. Nothing else in this game, right? Nope. 
New England at the Jets. Patriots by two and a half, over under 40 and a half. Mac Jones is apparently going to start again. Superman is going to sit on the bench because he came in last week, drove the team to a couple of scores, then he lost three turnovers. We did at least learn that Bailey Zappi is named after a character from Party of Five <laughs> and that he knows the words to Stacy's mom. So it was a positive overall, I think. Yeah, Party of Five is before my time, I think. I've never seen that show, but... um. I, I couldn't believe Patriots fans calling for Bailey Zappi when you just got a great rookie year out of Mac Jones. But whatever. I mean, I think um, in this passing game, it's just Jacoby Myers is like a you know wide receiver three. Um, you know, he will avoid Sauce Gardner for most of this game playing in the slots. You know, Myers is going to have the, the the better matchup versus uh, you know the, the Patriots outside corner, so he should be a decent target bet here. Um, should be another run heavy game plan from New England. Ramondre Stevenson easily outsnapped Damian Harris last week. I think that was at least partly due to the game script and Harris, mm-hmm. you know, his first game off the hamstring. I don't think the split's going to be that big going forward, but I, I do think Stevenson at this point, you know, has has to you know cr- clearly be the top fantasy play in this back. But I think you know Harris is kind of looking like a you know, touchdown or bust RB three at this point. Yeah, I mean, we're certainly betting that Stevenson plays more and produces more going forward. I do think that the gap is going to be a lot closer going forward than it was for that game, which just had it had surprising game flow throughout the Bears dominated time of possession. So the Patriots didn't get on the field much. They were trailing a lot more for a longer and by a lot more points than anybody would have guessed in that game. So you just hit reset on the backfield, play Stevenson first, and we'll see if Damian Harris is still going to help us. Uh, Hunter Henry also backslid in that game, you know, with the Patriots in general, but I think he got back into, I would rather not use Hunter Henry territory than maybe we could use Hunter Henry. Yeah. He still ran around on 78% of the pass plays, but you know, it's just, this is not a game where New England's going to have to throw it more than they want to. So I just think there's going to be enough volume to, to support Henry as you, as you have more than a touchdown or bus guy. Although we'll see, we would have said the same thing about the Patriots heading into Monday night's game against Chicago. So against these upstart jets, maybe they do fall behind and have to throw the ball. Yep. Possible. Speaking of those jets on that side, Corey Davis did not practice Wednesday with a knee issue. I mean, if he's out, it would obviously potentially help opportunities for the other receivers, but we need a whole lot more from this passing game before we're actually using that catapult somebody into strong starter consideration. Yeah. Jets continue to go run heavy with Zach Wilson under center. Um, you know, New England has been good against the pass this season. They're 10th against uh, wide receivers. So there, there's no part of this passing game that I would want to use this week. James Robinson was not listed on the initial injury report with the Jets this week. There was some mention of knee soreness in the wake of that game in Jacksonville last weekend. It was probably, well, I shouldn't say probably. It might have also been to do with the Jags knowing they were going to trade him and making sure that he didn't get hurt on the verge of such a trade. Either way, it seems like James Robinson will be healthy enough for this game. I'd be playing Michael Carter first, though, Jared, because even with Brees Hall, who they obviously loved in the draft, as the stud in tow to open the season, they had Michael Carter leading the backfield. So I don't see why the Jets would be opposed to having Michael Carter lead the backfield with James Robinson around. Yeah, I think Carter is going to be the better fantasy option for the rest of the season. And I would definitely rather play him this week. I, I'd i be surprised if Robinson's ready for like a full workload, whatever the Jets envision his full workload being. I don't think he's going to get that this week. Um, and we, we did get eight games of a healthy Michael Carter as Jets lead back last season. He averaged 12.3 carries and 5.4 targets per game in those eight games. I don't think he's going to get to that target number, but I think, you know, 12 or so carries is about what we should expect. If the Jets are not going to overload him, 
Um, but if he gets, you know, 12 or so carries per game and gets, you know, at least a few targets, like he can be a decent fantasy play. Tough to get excited about the upside. Uh, the Jets also just lost Elijah Vera Tucker, who was their best run blocker on the O-line. He's gone for the season, so that's not going to help this running game going forward. Not going well for anybody named Elijah for that team right now. Maybe if we get Mike White back on the field at some point, we can get 10 or 12 targets for Michael Carter, but we'll see otherwise. It is a good matchup for Carter. The Patriots are 28th in football outsiders run defense, DVOA. Yeah, although if they're going to do their Patriots take away your best thing in this game, it's probably Michael Carter because I'm not sure if the Jets know how to do anything else besides run right now. They might be right. Pittsburgh at Philly Eagles by 10 and a half over under 43 and a half for this game on the Pittsburgh side, Pat Fryermuth limited Wednesday with his ankle issue. We'll watch how the week goes for him, but really he's probably the most attractive stealer for this game relative to everybody's positions. Yeah. Fryer has a 22 and a half percent target share in his five healthy games this season. He's fifth in half PPR points per game among tight ends in those five games. So, and, and Philly's been just decent against tight ends. They're 19th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. They've been tougher against wide receivers this season. So I do think Fryermuth is a you know, pretty solid top 10 fantasy play this week and, and for the rest of the season. Yeah. And given the pass rush for Philly in this one, Fryermuth working shorter than the wide receivers, it, mm-hmm. it just makes sense for Fryermuth to be targeted in this game. Um, I wouldn't go out of my way to start a Steelers receiver. They will probably fall behind and have to throw the ball. So, I mean, you know, there are guys that make sense at some level in PPR, but I'm not, I'm not projecting a big game for anybody. Yeah. I I think Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are okay. Wide receiver threes. Deontay Johnson over the last four weeks, he's 14th among wide receivers in expected fantasy points. He's 65th in actual fantasy points. So like that has to swing back in his direction at some point. Does it? Um, I, I yeah, maybe at, at least a little bit. <laughs> at least, at least a little bit. Um, George Pickens, by the way, he's thirtieth in expected points, twenty fourth in actual fantasy points. He, I mean, guy's just a stud. Like it's a tough matchup for him. Um, so he's lower in our rankings than he will be for most of the season. But like it's it's fun starting George Pickens. I had Pickens going against Najee Harris in main event uh, last Sunday night. I needed Pickens to outscore Harris, and he he delivered. That was that was fun. Mm. This might be the most distracting preview pod I've ever had with with uh, all the stuff about the Kadarius Tony trade now and people wondering if Kareem Hunt's going to get traded. Um, no news on that, by the way. I don't mean to suggest that, but obviously when you get one big name trade, everybody's like, what about this guy? Is he about to move as well? So I'll try to refocus. Eagles side, honestly, there's really not a whole lot to discuss because we're just happy to have the Eagles back and everybody that you've been using makes sense in this matchup. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't really have anything. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, the, the two wideouts in Dallas got are all nice fantasy plays. Nothing to worry about with the matchup here. Sweet. Tennessee at Houston to start the late afternoon slate in the East Titans by two and a half. in this one as little as one and a half in some places on win bet. At least I made that bet, uh, just before the show over under a 40 and a half. The question I think for Tennessee here is Ryan Tannehill who did not practice Wednesday with the ankle sprain that temporarily knocked him out of last week's game, though he did return. So I would guess that he'll be ready to play, but it it wouldn't be the first time that a guy came back to play and then was not able to play the next week. I'm just not sure. Really, they just need their quarterback to be somebody who can take a snap, turn around (laughs) and hand it to Derrick Henry. So I don't know how much it matters. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't pick a better spot for Derrick Henry. I, I, by the way, bet. Um, Tennessee's team total over 20 and a half points. I thought that was, I think Henry might get that by himself. Um, this is the same spot we talked about for Josh Jacobs last week that had, you know, Jacobs sitting first in our running back rankings last week. Henry is first in our running back rankings this week. The Texans are 
28th in pass rate over expected against. So teams are going run heavy against them. 32nd in football outsiders run defense DVOA. 32nd in pro football focus run defense grades. 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back. So it should be a smash game for Derrick Henry, who is still, by the way, also seeing decent volume in the passing game. Uh, four targets per game over the last four on a 17% target share. So in case you needed another reason to like him this week, you know, he's, he's still doing a bit more than usual in the passing game. Yeah, that's been the truly positive development for him this year. And then on the Houston side, it's just pretty straightforward at this point. Um, Damian Pierce has gotten 20 plus carries in three of the past four games, even though his team has lost two of those games in which he got the 20 carries. And in the game where he didn't get to 20 carries, he took his 14 for 131 yards. So he's somebody that you're starting unless you're in awesome shape at running back or flex spots in general. Yeah, and if you look at last week's box score, you'll see Dare Okumbwali with eight total opportunities. Those all came on the final possession. It was just Davis Mills chucking down to Dare, chucking all, all the way down the field. So that's that's what happened there. So don't worry about that for Damian Pierce. He's locked in as a fantasy starter. Brandon Cooks, his target share has been down since the start of the season. 29% target share over the first two games, just 19% over the last four. But it looks like we're going to have no Nico Collins in this game who has emerged as, you know, the clear number two wide receiver in Houston. So that should get Cooks' target share back up, you know, at least into like the mid twenties in this game. Nice matchup as well. The Titans are 29th in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So I think like Cooks might be more of a wide receiver three going forward with a healthy Nico Collins, but I think he's a nice wide receiver two play this week. I know nice wide receiver two might be a little generous for Brandon cooks right now. We'll see. He's at least somebody that I can play at wide receiver three and hope that the, he's going to get target volume finally starts paying off. Yeah. I like him. I think he's got a chance of like 10 targets this week. If Nico's out and again, Tennessee's past defense has not been good. And the word on Nico Collins groin injury is that it's not season ending. So when a coach <laughs> says that that's like a, yeah, he's probably not going to be back soon. Yes. New York Giants at Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks by three in this one, over under 44 and a half. And Jared, what's the case for playing Daniel Jones this week? The big thing is that he's third among all quarterbacks in rushing fantasy points. He's averaging 7.5 fantasy points per game just rushing um, behind only Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. Um, and this matchup's okay. Seattle has been better against the pass lately. That They've looked better with the eye test. And then you know, Football Outsiders has them up to 19th in pass defense DVOA, they were you know, like bottom five early on this season. So it's a, it's like a middling passing matchup for Daniel Jones. But again, I think, um, you know, the passing production plus, if he gives you another, you know, six, seven, eight points with, with his legs, you know, makes him a decent spot start option this week. Not excited about him, but um, I think, I think he's okay if you have to go there. Yeah, I, I'm not excited. I'm never excited about Daniel Jones. I was fine with him in the spot where we have him in our rankings, which is inside the top 10. I think at this point, though, I would not play Daniel Jones over Tom Brady tonight. I would not play him over Derek Carr, and I would probably not play him over Jared Goff. And the primary reason for me is that the Seahawks defense has been a lot better over the past two weeks um, versus both the run and the pass. The second best defense, according to DVOA, in all of week six against Arizona that week, second best defense in overall DVOA for all teams in week seven against the Chargers. So, you know, it's not like they had a couple games against Houston and Tennessee and they stopped the pass. They've been really good the past couple yeah. weeks and they've changed some things up. They altered 
who's on the field. They're playing more nickel and dime packages, relying on an area where they have better talent in the secondary than at linebacker. So the, the pass rush has also been better. They have nine sacks over the past two games, eight total sacks over the previous five games. So I'm not saying it's the defense to be scared of just yet, but I am saying with how they've trended over the past two weeks, I'm going to make sure that I don't overrate it as a positive matchup based on the previous games and pump Daniel Jones up too high. He's a starter for me, but not somebody that I'm playing over what I still think is a safer play in Tom Brady, Derek Carr. Yeah. Playing Jones over Brady doesn't feel good. So I wouldn't blame you there. I I'd play Jones over Carr and uh, Goff. I, I, th- I, I think it's still tough to, recognize just how big rushing production is for quarterbacks. Like if you look at our projections, we only have Daniel Jones for 200 passing yards and 1.1 touchdowns. That's only a bit higher than he's averaged this season, but you know, we have him for like 40 rushing yards and a third of a rushing touchdown. It really just boosts him up their rankings. So um, Brady over Jones, I'd be okay with it, but I'd stick with him over Carr and Goff just because again, I, with Carr, especially, I just think it's going to be a, you know another run heavy game plan from Vegas. Yeah. And then the other tough thing on rushing yardage though, is he's got games of 68, 79, 107, and then every other game has been under 40. So, you know, it's tough to average that out. He Mm -hmm. has just shown us that he's the kind of guy, if he does get an opening, he can have a good rushing day in one run, um, or we could get a defense that stifles him. So, you know, we'll see. I'm good with him as a starter. It sounds like we're, you know, splitting hairs with exactly where we would put him. Um, it, it, you know, the reason that that's worth talking about is because otherwise it's Saquon Barkley and nobody else, especially now that Kadarius Tony has gone from this offense. It's been such a big what about part. Wa- what about Wandale? Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> it, it's like, if you're in a position where you're like, who the heck am I going to play at wide receiver this week? Then Wandale Robinson's a lighthouse. If you're like, oh, I really need somebody with upside this week. Uh, Wandale Robinson's not that guy. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's a floor wide receiver three play in PPR. Um, but he got up to the eighty one percent route rate last week that we were looking to see after he was, you know, in the thirties in his return last week or the, the two weeks before that. Twenty seven percent target share for Wandell last week. And we have no Daniel Bellinger now who had emerged as, you know, a pretty key piece of this passing game. The Giants have nothing at tight end now, so that could push even more targets Wandell's way. So again, he's not I agree, he's not high upside. But I do think he's a good bet. He, he's he's like the Giants version of Rondell Moore. If you could, you know, count on Rondell to actually get targets. Uh, on the Seattle side, DK Metcalf no practice Wednesday because of that knee injury. He did take part in the walkthrough portion of the practice, and he had said coming out of last week's game that he thought he would be ready to practice Wednesday. So I think at this point, it's just a positive that there's even a possibility that DK Metcalf could play in week eight after what seemed like it could be a potentially serious knee injury. We'll watch him throughout the week to see if he's going to play. It would be, it it might be one of those situations where it'd be better if they don't play him, but you know, we'll track that one. Then we also had Tyler Lockett limited in Wednesday's practice with a hamstring issue. Yeah. I'd um, be surprised if Metcalf plays, but like you said, I think it's good long-term, you know, maybe he only misses a game or two. Um, good to see Lockett put it in a limited practice Wednesday after he didn't practice at all last week. So, you know, that hamstring should be less of an issue this week. And if Metcalf's out, like, you know, that that's a big target boost for Tyler Lockett. So I think he, he's a strong fantasy play this week. It's going to be Marquise Goodwin, it looks like, um, as the number two wide receiver if DK Metcalf's out. Goodwin, two touchdowns. That, that that was Goodwin's second biggest fantasy game ever. He's been in the NFL for nine seasons. That was the second biggest fantasy game ever. So that tells you not to overrate that. Um, to me, Goodwin would be like a DFS only play. I think you could you could do better in season long. 
Yeah, didn't he have like another game where he had like two catches and they were both fifty plus yard touchdowns or something like that? <laughs> it's had a couple of one hundred yard games. I think he had one other two touchdown game. That was the only game in his career he scored more PPR points than he did last week. That is what I mean. That's what he brings to the table. Is he does have that big play speed. I mean, he's got like world class sprinter speed. Yeah, four catches, one twenty six, two touchdowns was his biggest game uh, back in twenty eighteen for the 49ers. So, I mean, he is at least a speedy guy. We can't trust that the targets will be there. We'll see if, if uh, they don't have DK Metcalf available. I still think it's funny and I can't get over that. Geno Smith has gotten to the point where it's like, yeah, of course he's a starting option this week against the giants. Yeah, he, he is. I mean, if you look at our rankings he's inside the top 10, I do think Metcalf's absence hurts, obviously. Um, but I mean, it's another good matchup. The giants are 23rd and adjusted points allowed to quarterback. So I think Geno's ceiling is, lowered without DK, but I think he's still, you know, pretty, pretty safe back. Like I, I play Gino over, over Daniel Jones pretty, pretty comfortably. Yeah. He's, he's got two games all year where he did not throw at least two touchdown passes. That includes yeah. last week where he lost Metcalf early, only attempted 27 passes. That was actually the second, the third time this season that he's thrown fewer than 30 passes and still thrown for two plus touchdowns. Yeah. He's been a top 10 fantasy quarterback in four of his last five games now. Good for him. And we get revenge game potential here against the Giants, the team that would not let him take over for Eli Manning. <laughs> That's right. Um, Kenneth Walker, I guess we should mention so people don't think we forgot about him, but you are starting him unless you are amazing at running back right now. Yeah, the Giants are allowing 5.7 yards per carry to running back, so it's a great match. I, I also want to note that you know Walker didn't see a target last week, but he ran her out on 62% of the pass plays. Now Seattle, they are going to get Travis Homer back this week. It looks like, and he had been the one playing on passing downs before he got hurt. So I'll be interested, interested to see if Walker loses pass routes to Homer, but man, if he stays up, you know, 50 to 60% of the routes with their rushing production, like you know, he, he's going to be a top 10 fantasy back the rest of the way pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had somebody ask me about trading, um, trading away Kenneth Walker straight up for Dalvin Cook, and that's uh, not a move that I could tell somebody to make right now. No, I'd, I'd rather have Walker. Uh, San Francisco at the Rams, Niners by one and a half, over under 43. Debo Samuel, probably the biggest story to watch here. No practice Wednesday because of the hamstring injury. I believe he's in kind of day-to-day territory, right? Yeah, that's what Shanahan said. So it doesn't seem super serious, but it definitely seems like there's a chance he doesn't play on Sunday. Juwan Jennings also missed practice on Wednesday with a hamstring. He's the 49ers number three receiver. Um, so if both those guys are out, that would make, you know, Brandon Ayuk much easier to trust in fantasy lamps. And it would, it would only help George Kittle, who you're starting anyways. Yeah, I think George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk are both fairly easy starts. Like I would much rather play Brandon Ayuk than uh, Wandale Robinson in that kind of range. Yeah, that's fair. You definitely get the higher ceiling with Ayuk. Um, he's seen 22% of the Niners targets since Garoppolo took over. So that's already a startable range. And then again, if Samuel's out, you know, that, that should get a boost. Jimmy Garoppolo, less attractive in football terms this week than he was last <laughs> week. Obviously, otherwise, you know, always plenty attractive. Um, he's a usable guy kind of in any Dalton territory in this one. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Rams, seventh in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. Garoppolo has finished as a top 12 fantasy quarterback in three straight games now, but he finished quarterback 21 when he played the Rams back in week four. He had 239 yards and one touchdown in that game. This, this, I think, you know, unlike last week where we thought it was going to be high scoring against the Chiefs, I think this is going to be a low scoring game against the Rams. 
Yeah, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a stardom if you need to this week, as opposed to somebody to go get to start over another quarterback. He is also somebody that shows up in our um, underdog pick'em article. So he's got a number that he's gone over each of the past three weeks. So somebody that I have already um, bet on in that format this week and somebody to play there, even if you don't want to or have to play him in fantasy. Christian McCaffrey, I would expect him to take over this backfield. We'll see exactly what taking over means in San Francisco because that has not been a one guy controls everything backfield, but they never had Christian McCaffrey before. I'm assuming that they made that trade to have him take over everything. Yeah. And this is a kind of matchup that should even feed into that because the Rams have been tough on rushing this year. And obviously when you have McCaffrey, he's ready to do anything you need a running back to do. Yeah, the Rams are first in adjusted points allowed to running back, so it's a tough matchup. Now, McCaffrey just played the Rams in week six as a member of the Panthers. He ran for 69 yards on 13 carries in that game, and he caught seven passes for 89 yards. So he had you know over 150 total yards in that game in a you know, bad Panthers offense. Um, yeah, he, uh, McCaffrey played 22 snaps last week. Like I would, I think he could you know close to double that this week. I, I think he'll be ready for close to a full workload. I would assume so as well. On the other side, no practice for Cam Akers for personal reasons. We'll see if he ends up on another team by this week, and I'm kind of surprised he hasn't been traded yet. Uh, Daryl Henderson also no practice Wednesday because of an illness, so we'll see about him as well. Kyron Williams and Van Jefferson got designated to return from IR last week. Have you seen whether they expect or hope to have Kyron Williams actually play in this game? Uh, McVay said he wants to wait on Kyron basically said he won't play this week and they might use the entire 21 day window to activate him. So it might be, you know, not even next week or Kyron, but the following week. Um, so he's just the stash in deeper leagues. I'm not even super excited about him once he's healthy. Like he's not an exciting prospect. This running game sucks. Kyron's not going to take over everything. So uh, stash him if you have room, but I'm not excited about him. It's going to be D- Daryl Henderson again this week, as, as long as the um, illness doesn't keep him out. Like the playing time is going to be, the, t- the touches might be there, but again, I just don't think it's going to be efficient, especially against this pretty solid Niners run defense. Yeah, defense does still look like it'll miss Eric Armstead. He wasn't practicing Wednesday, so we'll see about that. Um, that hurts the defense. It also might be without Dre Greenlaw, who got hurt last week, the linebacker. So uh, Henderson will at least be a volume-based play, assuming he's ready to go for this game. Um, I, I would love to not have to play anything else uh, besides Cooper Cup on the Rams side. Well, I think Tyler Higby is still a nice starter. Um, you know, last time out, his playing time and his volume was way down. That I believe that was because of the ankle, though. You know, he was questionable coming into that game. He is off the injury report this week, so I think he should be back to full playing time. He caught ten of fourteen targets against the Rams, or sorry, against the 49ers when these teams met in Week Four. So, uh, you know, not exciting, but as far as volume goes at the tight end position, uh, you can't do a whole lot better than Higby. I would say ten receptions is pretty exciting for a tight end. Oh yeah. Washington at Indianapolis Colts by three over under 39 and a half. This was supposed to be Jared Carson Wentz (laughs) versus Matt Ryan and the team that quit on him after one year. Instead, we get Taylor Heineke versus Sam Ellinger in a QB matchup that wouldn't even be exciting in the middle of a Saturday afternoon. So we'll start with the Washington side. Taylor Heineke was fine last week. We got over 200 yards passing. We got a nice touchdown to Terry McLaurin downfield and we got McLaurin at least matching Curtis Samuel on targets, even if he still couldn't quite eclipse him. Yeah, it was nice to see McLaurin's production and that target share, you know, be higher than it had been with Carson Wentz. Um, and, and Heineke himself even finished quarterback 13 on the week 
PFF had him dead last by a pretty wide margin in their passing grade. So, you know, he did not play well. We also had Washington go run heavy. They were minus 8% pass rate over expected. They were, they were dead even. They were 0% with Carson Wentz over the first six games. So that definitely could be a trend, this team going run heavier with uh, Heineke under center. So I, I still think the quarterback change is good news for Terry McLaurin. I think he's going to be better going forward than he was with, with Wentz. Yeah, I mean, it can't be bad news. And every time that we talk about where a QB finished in scoring last week, we got to realize that it was a bad <laughs> QB week. We only had uh, nine guys eclipse 20 fantasy points. Obviously, that's one scoring system, but it, it was a low QB scoring week last week. Logan Thomas put in a limited practice Wednesday, so maybe he'll be back from his calf injury. We'll see. Not sure that that makes a whole lot of difference for my fantasy planning, even if he does make it back. Jahan Dotson did not practice Wednesday with his hamstring injury last week. He went limited, limited, no practice Friday, questionable, then did not play in the game. So it seemed like he was trending toward playing, but he might have had some kind of setback or be a little further from playing right now. Yeah, he, he did. There was video of him in last Thursday's practice pulling up on a route. So it looked like he re-injured that hamstring on Thursday. So I would expect him not to play in this game, which does make McLaurin and Samuel easier to trust. Um, I, th- I think Brian Robinson is a sell high right now. He has benefited the past two weeks against the Bears and Packers from positive game script. Um, he still only played 47% of the snaps in both of those games. And he's seen 56% of Washington's carries in those two games. That's a decent number, but it's not like a you know controlling workhorse back carry share. So once Washington gets in the games where they're not playing with the lead and, you know, they, they might play with the lead again in this one. So Robinson's an okay fantasy play, but just longer term over the rest of the season, I think um, I would be looking to get out from Robinson right now. Yeah. Not somebody that you have to get rid of, but I agree. Go ahead and sell high to a running back needy team. And I mean, Antonio Gibson has looked good alongside him. So the natural inclination is for fantasy folks to be like free Antonio Gibson. Look how explosive he is. But if you think about it, he looked crappy before getting into his current role. Yeah. So maybe Washington just actually has him in the role now that he should be playing, which of course then speaks to keeping Brian Robinson in the role. He's playing, not giving him more receiving and the whole thing just being a bit more of a committee than we would like. So I agree. I don't think there's going to be big stuff ahead of Brian Robinson. I think Antonio Gibson is a good fit for how he's being used right now, which makes him, you know, fringely usable in deeper leagues um, especially if he can steal a touchdown here or there. But, you know, it, it looks like they're set up the way they want to be set up. Yeah, Gibson had 10 carries and four targets last week. Again, you know, Washington played with the lead throughout that game, so they ran it a bunch. But, um, yeah, I mean, Gibson's in RB3 range in our ranking, so he's he's usable as a you know, bi-week option especially. Sam Ellinger on the other side. I'm not sure if that's Ellinger or Ellinger. I'm going to go with Ellinger. That's more likely. He was good in college. Not amazing. Sixth round pick, of course. 7.7 career yards per attempt. Three and a half touchdowns per interception. He runs some. I did see it put out there this week that he has wheels, but he's under 50th percentile in quarterback speed, according to pre-draft testing. His player profiler comp is Chase Daniel. So I think like that's probably the level of player we're talking about that, like Colt McCoy for expectation, you know, we'll see. He could surprise people. He clearly at least has shown Frank Reich to this point that there's a chance he's better than Matt Ryan. So that's something I'm not adjusting anything up or down for my Colts expectations this week with him in there. Yeah, he was, he was a fun college player at Texas, but he was like a college player where you're like, Oh, this guy maybe could be a decent backup 
in the NFL. Now, like you said, the Colts obviously think he can be more than that. And Elgar did have a really good preseason, 24 of 29 for 289 yards, four touchdowns, zero picks. He was third among 77 qualifiers in PFF passing grade. Now, yeah, it's, it's preseason. He, he's playing against backups and all that, but at least some promise there. Um, and then, yeah, the, the rushing stuff. So we have two preseasons of Ellinger. Um, he has 137 snaps in those two preseasons, which is you know about two games worth. He has 126 rushing yards and a score in those two games. And he's a guy who, you know, might give us, he could give us like Daniel Jones level rushing production. It probably, it probably is like the best case. And we're not going to count on that right out of the gate, but I think, you know, that's the best case scenario. So it, it you know, doesn't matter for fantasy outside of two quarterback and super flex leagues. Um, but I'll, I'll be interested to see what he looks like this week. The Washington matchup certainly gives him the opportunity to have this good game. Like it could, you know, the upside could be a really good game. He does still have Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Michael Pittman. You know, there's enough around him that he could have a really good fantasy outing against Washington and then have everybody tricked into uh, heading into a trip to New England next week. Yeah, I know he's uh, 4K on DraftKings, so I'm sure we'll be talking about him at least a little bit on tomorrow's shows. There you go. That's the place to use him. Not, I'm not comfy enough to play him in pickums because I have no idea what to expect yeah. statistically. But 4K, I mean, all he has to do is not fall on his face, and uh, he'll be just fine. Yes. Anything else from that game? No. Um, I mean, we'll we'll just see what happens with the wideouts with the new quarterback. Like Paris Campbell has been super busy target wise over the past two weeks after getting you know, hardly any targets the first four or five games. Um, but I guess Pittman's still in play as like a wide receiver three, but I, I'd prefer just to kind of wait and see what it looks like with Ellinger under center. I'd probably have Pittman higher than three. Cause I mean, at this point, like I don't have a reason to think that Sam Ellinger is a downgrade from Matt Ryan. So I'm just going to kind of rely on, Frank Reich saying that this is their best QB option going forward and try to play Michael Pittman. I mean, we've got him 27th. I think that's a fair range for him looking at the guys around him in the rankings. I certainly wouldn't argue um, for playing him over somebody like Gabe Davis, Deontay Johnson, but I think all those guys are in a similar range where I wouldn't be shocked if Michael Pittman, you know, scores 10 spots above where we have him ranked. Yeah. Yeah. Washington is 31st in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So it's, it is a good matchup for all these wideouts. Green Bay at Buffalo on Sunday night, which is not going to be a good matchup. Bills by 10 and a half. And really, if you can still find that, then go ahead and bet it because it's up to 11, even 11 and a half in some places. I would not be at all surprised if it ends higher. The over-under is 47 and a half. The over-under is really just however many points the Bills will score in this game. Buffalo's average margin of victory this season is 15.8 points. That's their average margin of victory. The Packers' average margin is minus 2.6. So even if we just put those two together, we're talking about an 18.4-point line, which seems like it would be fair for this one because the Bills are very good and the Packers are very bad. Yeah, 18.5-point implied total for Green Bay, you know, which is... Too high. It might be. I mean, so there's... It's it's Aaron Jones, and that's it for Packers. I would want to start in this game. I, it looks like Alan Lazard's going to miss this game with the shoulder injury he suffered last week. You know, he would have been like a fringy wide receiver three if he plays. But um, that's it. It's Aaron Jones who you know again for the second time in in three weeks did control the backfield both in terms of snaps and touches over AJ Dillon, especially in the passing game. I mean, the Packers clearly made it a point to get Jones going in the passing game. Last week, he had 10 targets, and um, especially if Lazard is out, like I, I think you know, he, he's a pretty good target bet again on Sunday night. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And I would also point out that the Packers have already fallen short of 18 points three times this year against the Jets, Buccaneers, and Vikings. Um, I, I agree. Aaron Jones, absolutely nothing else. We had no Alan Lazard in practice Wednesday, as you said. Christian Watson was limited with the hamstring. So we'll see if he's ready to play. Sammy Watkins, limited, but that's with the injury that he came back from last week. So probably a maintenance day. Maybe we get some Sammy Watkins revenge game vibes here, Jared. I'm just not sure what that means at this point or how much you can do on four targets. Yeah. Um, Romeo Dobbs is really struggling and Aaron Rodgers is starting to get frustrated with him. You can see it. If you watch the games, Dobbs has 26 targets over the last four games, he's turned them into 97 yards. So yeah, I, I think there's an opportunity for Watkins and, and maybe even Christian Watson, if he gets healthy to, you know, step into bigger roles going forward, but you will know, we'll kind of monitor it, monitor it on Sunday night, but I would not play any of these Packers wideouts against the bills. It's also worth noting that Aaron Rodgers did not practice Wednesday with his right thumb injury. I don't think that he's in danger of missing the game, but the fact that he's not practicing on Wednesday at the same time where he's saying everybody needs to work on stuff, that that means that the right thumb is not nothing. Yeah, that uh, the previous two weeks he's gone no practice Wednesday, full Friday or full Thursday and Friday. So I'd expect the same thing, but it's definitely possible that that thumb has been an issue these last two games. He's definitely not hurting it by giving his teammates a thumbs up at this point. That's for sure. On the Buffalo side, you know, you're starting everybody that you're actually considering. I want to see if Khalil Shakir takes away some Isaiah McKenzie playing time coming out of the bye. Me too. I'd like to see that. Um, I would not trust either of them this week. I think they're both worth stashing on benches. Um, Dawson Knox, last time out against the Chiefs, 80% route rate. That was easily a season high. He's off the injury report now. So he's a, he's a, good play because he's like a close to full-time player in this offense. He's still not a great target, but he's just not earning targets this season, but you know, he's outside the top, you know, handful of tight ends. He's, you know, as, as good of a touchdown bet as you're going to get at the position. Yeah. And that's what we're looking for most of the time outside of like the top six Cincinnati at Cleveland on Monday night to close this out. Bengals by three and a half on the road over under 47 Browns are bad at defense 27th in rush defense DVOA 28th against the pass. The Bengals did lose to them in both meetings last year, but the first came in week two before the Bengals really knew what they were doing. Second came in week 18 when the Bengals were resting their starters. They're coming off a big one this time against Atlanta. I'm certainly not concerned about anything on the Bengals offense against these Browns. So the Bengals, the last two weeks, plus 21% and plus 23% pass rate over expected. You know, for, for comparison, the Chiefs lead the league right now at plus 13%. So the Bengals have gone super pass heavy in the last two weeks. Finally, it's worked. Joe Burrow has finished quarterback one in fantasy points in both of those games. Uh, so that's obviously good news for Burrow, Higgins, Chase, obvious starters. I think Tyler Boyd, if the Bengals remain – they're not going to remain that pass heavy, but if they're like a top three pass rate over expected team, I think Tyler Boyd can be like a weekly wide receiver three going forward. And it's obviously good news for, for Hayden Hurst too, if the Bengals keep throwing, throwing this much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Boyd's going to be that guy in territory of like wide receiver 30 to 40, where if everybody's getting six targets, he's the one that you want to bet on. Yes, exactly. Um, on the Browns side, the Bengals, meanwhile, seventh in pass defense DVOA, 10th against the run. So that is a defense that you want to worry about, guys. Going against a little bit, fifth toughest by our adjusted fantasy points allowed on quarterbacks, fourth toughest on wide receivers, negative for running backs and tight ends as well. So, I mean, you're playing Nick Chubb in this game. You're probably playing Amari Cooper. Not sure that you're really playing anybody else beyond that. 
Yeah, I don't think so. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt's snap rate and like route rate has have been in line the past two weeks versus where it was early in the season, but he has just nine total carries and three targets over the past two weeks. I don't know exactly what's going on there, but I would not want to use him in fantasy lineups this week, especially like you said, in this bad matchup. Um, no David Njoku for the Browns for the next you know, two to five weeks was the report we got. Very, very sad. He's He's been awesome for us. Um, that leaves Harry. How much of Njoku's role he actually takes over. Um, you know, maybe he's worth stashing in deeper leagues, but um, you know, Njoku's absence should only help Amari Cooper's target share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, the Bengals on offense, by the way, have finally gotten down to being a near neutral matchup for fantasy defense. So the way that they started the season made it look like they were a positive scoring matchup for defenses for a while. I certainly don't think that's the case at this point. I still think they're a good sack bat, but like if your fantasy league deducts for points allowed, then not so good. Even that though, they're, they're like middle of the league or below middle of the league and pressure rate allowed at this point. So they've even improved on that in that area. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but it's just, again, if they're going to be dropping back 50 times a game, you know, that's more sack opportunities. For sure. Anything else from that game? And I'll do it. That's going to do it for the week eight preview edition of the podcast. You become a BS. A, yes. No, don't do that. <laughs> become a DS insider today. If you want to see exactly how we rank all these guys against each other for week eight and who we'd recommend starting in your lineup in this weekend. Our second Dynasty Buy, Sell, Hold report of the year hit the site Wednesday, so check that out. You can find Jared's weekly usage report to see all the notes we've got on how often these guys are taking the field, who's getting the route rates, and all of that. We've got free reads on the website, so you don't have to be a DS Insider to get some value there. Go check out my top plays for the Underdog Pick'em's article. I mentioned it earlier, 96 and 54 for the year. Those are just highlighted players based on gaps in the underdog line and our weekly projections. You can also find Timmy Hernandez's pass rate over expected. We've talked about that number several times on this show. You can look at the whole thing, pretty chart with all the team logos and everything more than I'm capable of doing on a computer. (laughs) So go to DS.com, whether you are a DS insider or not, if you want to support us, otherwise subscribe, rate, review, follow the podcast, wherever you prefer to get them and visit the sponsors in the links down below for Jared Smola and the rest of the draft sharks crew. I'm Matt Schaff saying thanks so much for swimming with us.